see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, Stephen, welcome back. Here we are for Rangers Review Episode 6. Now, a lot has happened this season, probably more so for the bad than the good. Most Ranger fans may agree. A lot of things have been going on, but this past week has definitely been a fairly tough pill to swallow, especially not just how the Rangers fared going 0-2-1 in the process, but really how those games panned out. And almost every game this season, it would seem for the Rangers that they just don't get enough out there to really prevail in the end. So first of all, how are you doing? Happy to have you here as always. And I'm looking forward to getting into this video. Um, It's been an interesting week for Ranger fans. Um, uh, The Rangers themselves may not have the results they want, but I think there are some positives to take away from these last three games, even though they were shot out in two of them. Um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll dive into it, but just to kick it off, I think the, um, the, lo- the second loss against Boston, even though it was a one, nothing loss, it was probably the most exciting and entertaining one, nothing loss for a Rangers team, because there were so many positives to take away from it. The fact that we were able to hang in there with what I feel is a top three team in the league, even though they lost Chara, even though they, they lost uh, Tory Krug. They are still a top three team in the league. Um, the fact that they uh, that the young guys are actually performing well. Capo Carco has eleven takeaways and only one giveaway. That is the second highest uh, ratio in the league. And this is the same Capo Caco that was a turnover machine, more in the negative than the positive in his rookie year. Yeah. So talk about polar opposite. Uh, Igor Shestjorkin, uh, if you look at his save percentage the last five games, uh, I think it's like 947. And he's 922 on the season. So things are definitely trending upward for him. Yep. 922 on the season. His last five games, I think 947. Uh, Let me quickly check that for you. Yeah, no, Uh, he's 3 4 1 this season, and he has a 2.16 goals a lot average. So his last five games, his save percentages were 920, 962, 939, 933, 967. And realistically, could have won all of those had the Rangers had somewhat of an offense, you know? Yeah. Uh, when when you get shut out, it's hard to blame your goalie, especially when it's a one or two goal loss. And Shishjorkin oh, uh, started off a little bit rusty, but he's uh, he's coming around now. He's coming around now. Um and honestly, if he keeps this up, he'll be in the conversation for the Calder. I know everyone's going crazy about Kirill, uh, Kirill Kaprizov. And rightfully but, so. I think that's And rightfully fair. so. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. He's an exciting player. But um, I remember the year Steve Mason won the Calder as a, as a goalie, as a rookie goalie. So it does happen sometimes. Um, if he keeps this up and he finishes the season with a save percentage over .930, I think he has a decent chance to win the Calder, even even if Kaprizov puts up 20 goals. Oh, yeah, I'd say he has a chance. I don't think he's going to win it unless, you know, he really blows the socks off of everybody because goalies, it is rare for them. You know, Steve Mason being the last guy to win it, it was just as, you know, bizarre as any when you look at just how his career panned out. Nothing mm-hmm. against Steve Mason personally, but we know it was a, it was a very up-and-down career for the most part. So, yeah, no, I agree. 
Um, yeah, you know, the positives for Ranger fans, they might not even, they might not all be aware of this, but um, of course in Europe, some prospects had some good weeks. Laurie Payuniemi uh, had he's a multi-point multi game again. Um, he's He has had a really good season. Leads all players in Liga in Finland in goals uh, since the start of the 2019-20 season, despite missing 17 games through injury. So yes. he missed 17 games and still leads all players in goals. So that's really impressive. For a kid that's only 21 years old, he's the same age as Philip Heedle. So uh, let's remember that for a second. And then um, the Bayer games this week, it's a four-team tournament that was played in Sweden with Sweden, Russia, Czech Republic, and Finland. Uh, Nils Lundqvist and Vitaly Kravtsov played in this tournament. Kravtsov didn't have a great tournament. The first game, he was all right. The second game, he was benched early, and he played three, four minutes each in games two and three. But Nils Lundqvist, oh boy, I, I've been a huge Nils Lundqvist fan, and you know this, everyone knows this. But every time I think I've seen it all, he does something to to One surprise up. me. Mm-hmm. This, this week, um, I'm not surprised he was part of the national team. And I think he's pretty much a lock for the world championships in Riga and Latvia in May and June. So he might not come over until mid or the end of June. Um, but he's 20 years old. Let's remember that, 20 years old. This is not the under-20 national team. This is the men's national team. And he was an alternate captain. And not just that, but he scored a goal in game one. Game two, he played 28 minutes and seven seconds. And I looked it up. It's the highest time on ice for a skater in the history of the tournament that has been played since 1996, four years before Lundqvist was even born. Wow. Um, the third game, I think he had it was a little bit less. I think he only played 24 minutes, game three. Um, but the kid was all over the ice. He was he was dishing out hits. Um, he unfortunately missed in the shootout against Russia, but overall he was very solid. And I think he's a top three player in the Swedish league at age 20. So Ranger fans should be very excited. I know he's small, and this is always a complaint that I hear from fans, but. When you see him out there, he doesn't play like he's five foot eleven. He plays like he's six four. So. You know, I, I don't think Ranger fans have any right to judge a guy below six foot for numerous reasons, not just Matt Zuccarello, but look at Adam Fox. He isn't anything towering on that line, and he handles himself, I think, better than a lot of defensemen currently in the league. Yeah. I don't think Nils Lundqvist is as good as Adam Fox. Let's mm-hmm. put that out there immediately. Okay. But Well, yeah, he needs to hit North American ice first. He has still an uphill battle with things. Well, I, I don't know. And this is this is a conversation I've had with people as well. Because oh, I, is, know. I know. I know. This is an argument that always, that always comes up. People always say, oh, they have to get used to uh, the smaller rinks. Yep. And maybe. But I think in most cases, if players go to the AHL, it's more because they are not ready yet for the NHL. Oh, there course. are numerous players that come over from Europe without playing a single game in the AHL, go straight to the NHL. Sebastian Aho, uh, Jonas Donskoy, who's not even like Panera. a top player, never played a game in the AHL. Arturi Lekkonen is another one. Um, um, Kuznetsov, Tarasenko. Panarin, um, right? Uh, Panarin, never played a game in the AHL, came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pius Suter, who plays for the Blackhawks this season. And I'm not surprised by him either. You know, Blackhawks for a couple of years now are doing a really solid job with their European sky and picking up guys in their early to mid-20s that are thriving in respective European leagues. And they do the same yep. thing with Suda. I just want to add on that because with an increased role, he's been doing really solid for them. 
Yeah. And so it's not it's not that they have to get used to North American ice and that's why they start in the AHL. No, they start in the AHL because they're not ready yet for the NHL. They're just not good enough. Yeah. The players like Kopitar and Backstrom are granted their high high picks. So they, they should go straight into the uh, the NHL. Elias Pettersson played in Sweden for a year, then came over straight to the NHL. There are numerous examples of players from Europe that have never played a single game in the AHL that go straight to the NHL and, and get a spot on the team and stick there. So Nils Lundqvist, with how he's playing in Sweden, how he's playing for the Swedish national team, and how good he is, I don't see a reason why he will go to the AHL first. Especially now with D'Angelo gone, the, the, the spots, it's, 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 it's his to lose, in my opinion. The players he has to compete with are uh, maybe Batetto, um, Braden Schneider, who's only 19 years old. So, you know, he, he, he's only played two professional hockey games. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, hit the brakes on him a little bit before we, you know, before we, um, what's the word? before we declare him uh, an NHL starter. But Nils Lundqvist should be the first one up to uh, to replace D'Angelo starting next season. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be a very popular player uh, among Ranger fans. He's a great kid, a uh, really good skater. Um, his gap control is amazing. But what impresses me the most, and I've said this before, he's only 20 years old, but he is, and this is why he's wearing, he was an alternate captain for Team Sweden. He's always busy coaching players on the ice when he's on the bench he always leans over the boards and he's directing sort of directing traffic like a traffic cop he's directing his players over the ice where to go he's almost like like an assistant coach he has and a mindset pretty, far above his years is definitely how it's yes, coming off. yeah he doesn't act like a 20 year old no. he doesn't play like a guy that's 5'11 he doesn't act like a kid that's 20 it, he is so mature for his age when he's on the ice I think he's going to go straight into the lineup and people are going to be super excited about him. And the Fox Lundqvist pair or combination on the right side, a best case scenario and not unlikely, I think it would be similar to what Nashville has had over the years on the yeah. left side with Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm. Not Matthias a bad problem Ekholm, to have. <laughs> Matthias Ekholm can be a top pair defenseman for many teams in this league, mm -hmm. but he's just playing behind Roman Yossi. It's nothing wrong with it. It just gives you depth. If we can have Lundqvist on the second pairing, that's amazing. And the Rangers should capitalize on that, get three years on an entry-level contract out of it, uh, the cheap years until the cap goes up again. And uh, I think we're going to be really happy once he comes over. I agree. I'm really excited for Lundqvist, along with these other prospects too. I, I would like to maybe touch on before the end of today's video a little bit more on Mori um, Ampanunami. I might be saying his name wrong. I apologize. Um, but yeah, no, going on to basically how these prospects are blossoming. That's great. It's definitely been more of the upside, I would say, this past yeah. week versus the Rangers going 0-2-1 in the process. I think I predicted them to the, them to go 2-1 and one this week. Shame on me if that's the case. And then I believe you either went 1-1 one and one or 0-2-1. And, and the Flyers game got postponed due to uh, protocols, as we know. So that'll be re that's already been rescheduled. But if you look at the Rangers, just a little further breakdown on everything that's transpired with them this week. I put up a lot of numbers here because I really want to touch on not just these games, but how they're performing both five-on-five five and special teams because this is something we've been arguing about 
all season long throughout each and every episode, and yet nothing has been changing, at least for the better. Uh, if you look at game one against the Islanders, the Rangers get shut out 2 nothing by Varlamov, who in typical Islanders goaltending fashion gets a nice shutout with a strong defensive, defensively structured game in front of him by the Islanders. A textbook game for them. And the Rangers had their opportunities, but they just couldn't get enough. Varlamov robbed many guys, including Zibanejad at times, and... It is what it is they took the Rangers didn't take advantage of the opportunities given to them, and that's been one of the biggest issues that we've seen with this top six all 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 season. Really, it looks like every game almost they get at least one breakaway, and then they just aren't able to execute. It's the little things that are starting to add up with them, which is having more long term effects, I would say, on players' confidence with a lot of these guys in this top six, and really just trying to break out, break the ice, and then hopefully they get a rhythm. That's that has been the case yet, unfortunately. And then when we get on game two against Boston, tremendous game in my mind. They lost three two in overtime, which definitely was a killer. That was a typical Bruins game where they, you know, are down one or two goals early and then they bounce back. That's what they've been doing all all season long. They're known for gaining in overtime as well and just either having a lot of OT wins or OT losses. They just always grind out each and every game. They're very reminiscent in the Owls in a lot of ways and how they're so defensively structured. Differences, though, that they have those more standout guys. And Pasternak, Bergeron, their captain, who's one of my favorite non-Rangers in the entire league. I just love everything about Bergeron and his game. It sucks that he's a Bruin because it would be nice if he, say, wasn't on a original six rival, if you will. But I give credit where his credit is due. He's been tremendous. And Marshawn, a guy everyone loves to hate. I'm not sure if you saw that sequence. I believe it was in... The last game, the Rangers and uh, Bruins played between Zibanejad and Marshawn trying to go off the ice. I thought that was funny because they both had their um, pre-game ritual, wanting to make sure they're the last one. So they're both standing there for five minutes, and then they do a rock, paper, scissors. Zibanejad wins, so then Marshawn goes off. I just want to add that. I thought that was cool. But then in the third game for the Rangers, they end up losing. Shut out again. one nothing to Boston. Yaro Holak, who has been a Ranger killer for years now. No surprise there during his time with the Islanders as well. Normally did a really solid job against the Rangers. So overall, Rangers go 0-2-1 in the process. Their only goal scorers all week or Julian Gauthier on boy oh boy is he looking like something it looks like that we will hopefully get more of an increased role out of him soon Quinn is openly acknowledging that they deserves more ice time I hope it's the case because as of now if you look at the lines from today's practice at the time we're going this they still have Gochi in the fourth line because it's not like they're going to booth uh uh, move Buchnevich, for instance, and they already have Blackwell, who is a guy that would normally be in your fourth line, on your top line, trying to balance things out with both um, Kreider and Zmanjad. So take that as you will. But Gochi, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. Kevin Rooney is another guy who has been solid. Some lucky bounces here or there for the Rangers with the bomb six, but they've been the biggest components in this offense, and that's been the most alarming thing, which is really what I want to break down with you in today's episode, because when you look at how they've been doing offensively, Panarin, as we know, got hurt in the second game this week against the Bruins and he didn't play against Boston their past game it looks like he may very well be out for their upcoming game tomorrow at the time recording this against the Devils we'll see what happens he has been skating which is nice but it doesn't look like he's 100% yet um, but regardless, he's still leading the team in points, 15 and 12 games now. And then if you look at their second point leader, it's Bucinavich, who again, Buch has been solid all season long. Goal scoring isn't necessarily his priority. He's definitely been more working on his overall two-way game and his assists have been solid, eight points in 13 games. And then Foxy's still with seven points, which he's had for a little bit now, now in 13 games. And then guys who have been alarming to say the least are Zbanejad. We'll talk a little bit more on him. Only three points in 13 games, only one goal. It's been a mix of having a slow start being snake bin not looking great 
all that combined has went into him not having a big impact to start the year. And we all know the reasoning as to why he had the slow start by now. Uh, Lafreniere, only one point in 13 games now. And then you look at Kako, three points in 12 games. But as you attested to earlier in today's episode, that is not so much because of his play by any stretch of the imagination. It's just simply being a little snake bin, not gaining on the score sheet, maybe being a little bit too passive. I know a two-on-one in a previous game this week where it really looked like he had a solid opportunity. He just decided to hold the puck too long until Carlo, the defenseman for the Bruins, got his stick in there. That was an opportunity I would have liked to see Kako just be selfish and execute. It is what it is, but overall, he's been tremendous. And, you know, before we get on to basically the goals for and against throughout the season, what are your initial thoughts on how they fared this week and with the guys that have not been producing in this top six? Um, yeah, my biggest complaint about this Rangers team so far is not that they are playing bad hockey. It's that they play hockey that relies heavily on luck and bounces. Um, I think I, I have to, I would have to go through the goals to see what the last goal was that came from a clean play. It may be the shorthanded goal where Miller assisted on it. Yeah. I mean, I, ever since then, I mean, the Gauthier goal was was a a a, a, a weird deflection in front of the net. The, the, the Rooney goal was a high stick by Lemieux that hit uh, Rask's shoulder and then bounced onto Rooney's sticks. And this is, for me as a fan, frustrating because when I watch a game, I want to be entertained. Honestly, I I get entertained by by little plays that, that are amazing. Like Adam Fox holding the puck on the blue line and chipping it over an opponent's stick. I can watch that all day. Kako uh, uh, balancing the puck off the boards, skating past his opponent around the other side and, you know, starting a breakout. That's a great play. Things that don't really excite me is a lucky bounce in front of the net or a deflection. I want to see some proper goals. I don't mind losing nine, nine to seven or nine to three if we score some really good goals and our young players are getting on the board and overall it's it's an exciting game. Um, but we're losing 3-2, we're losing one nothing, and the Rangers are just trying too hard to, to get that perfect pass out and sometimes they just need to react a little bit quicker. I'm just looking forward to seeing some crisp goals that are the result of of uh, good plays, not just an, uh, a, a random stick floating around that deflects it into the net. Um, I think defensively, the Rangers are probably one of the better teams in the Metropolitan, or it's not the Metropolitan Division. What, what is it called this year? Is it the, the Eastern Division? Oh, the Eastern Division, I believe. Yeah. The Discover Eastern Division, if my memory serves me correctly. Okay. So we're in the Discover Eastern Division. I think the Rangers are probably one of the better defensive teams in the division, which yes. is weird. probably a little bit weird when you look at our record, but our and record we'll, is... And we'll break that down in a minute because I have some points to tell you on that. Our record is more determined by our forwards' inability to finish uh, uh, clean chances. Uh, you you harped on Zibanejad a little bit. I don't think Zibanejad's playing bad. He played bad the first two weeks. Right now, I think he's playing much better. He's just unlucky. So the points will come. Um, do I wish he would have produced a little bit more? Yeah, of course. But we have to remember that he was only allowed to fly over on New Year's Eve. Um, the season started on the 13th. He had to quarantine for 10 days. So he could only join the team one day before the season started. And that has been haunting him ever since. 
I think he's finally at that point where he's no longer a step behind of the play. He doesn't look slow on the ice anymore. So he's getting he's getting back to his normal self. He just needs a puck or two in to go in the net to uh, to get going. But Zibanejad is not my biggest issue at the moment. Honestly, Panarin, yeah, he puts up points, but I think Panarin has been the most underwhelming player in open play on the ice for the Rangers. And with him being out, though, you're losing that production. The Rangers without Panarin are a lottery team. Um, and, yeah, it just depends on how long it takes for him to get back. Um, I saw him and Keandre Miller being day-to-day. Now you have a guy like uh, Colin Blackwell coming into the lineup again after returning from injury. Yep. And I had a conversation earlier today with someone um, about it. Colin Blackwell reminds me a little bit of Jason Magna. I don't know if people remember him. I remember very well who Jason Magna is. Yep, I remember. Jason when the Magna's legacy him. to me is always that it will always be that as a Ranger, he came from the AHL and he went straight into the top six. There's no, there was no fourth line duties and then being bumped up to the third line and then the second line and then the first line. No. He came into the lineup straight into the top six. I think he scored two goals in his in his Rangers debut against the Dallas Stars, if I remember correctly. But granted, it's like five years ago, so I might be a little bit. I'm a I bit think, hazy. I think Rick Nash might have helped him out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm a bit hazy on the exact details, but I remember Jason Magna having a great NHL de- uh, or Rangers debut. He had a really good couple of games. And Blackwell, he assisted on Keandre Miller's first goal. He assisted on Lafreniere's first goal. Uh, and now he's in the top six due to injury. But still, it's a little bit a little bit Magna uh, 2.0, 2.0 in my opinion. Okay. Not a bad, he's not a bad player. And I think you can have him in that role for a couple of games. But it shouldn't become a theme. You know, it's like Jesper Fast used to be a player that if you have an injury in your top six, you move him up and he will transition into that bigger role and he will not be a liability. That was basically Jesper Foster early on in his career. In the top six, he's not a liability. That's a good thing. His last season, he was just stapled to Panarin's line and he was actually the reason that line worked, in my opinion. Um, and now he's in Carolina, so we don't have him on the team anymore. But Jesper Foster is probably one of the more underrated middle six players in, in the league over the last five years. Um, let's hope an Aaron comes back from injury soon. Let's hope it reignites Strom a little bit because until Panarin suffered that injury, I think the Panarin Strom Kako line was the best line on the team. And out of all the line combinations we've had this season, and we've had quite a few because it's one thing Quinn loves to do is juggle the lines. Out of all the line combinations we've had this season, I think the Panarin Strom Kako line has been the most impressive so far. And uh, when Kako was in the penalty box against the Bruins, um, which yeah, I'm not going to argue that that penalty. I will argue the one he got against the Capitals for uh, that. That's why I'm under the bridge, array. I'm fed no, up. No, but I will, I will argue that until I'm 55. I don't care. <laughs> but the penalty, the penalty he got against the Bruins was a penalty. I'm not going to argue that. But when he came out of the box, out of the penalty box, within two seconds, he won the puck, created a turnover, skated the other way, and it created a scoring chance. And yeah, the puck didn't go in, but it's still a great play of of what Kako does well. And yeah. and in my opinion, if he can if he can build on this, if he can do this and make this his bread and butter, I think he's going to be a great two-way player for the Rangers who if the production picks up a little bit in a full season of 82 games, if he can be a 60-70 point player, 
that creates turnovers, the Rangers are going to be really happy to have him on the team. Yeah, he's been tremendous. You know, from the analytics and breaking down the further numbers you've shown me that you've shared on Twitter. And to guys, if you don't follow Stat Boy on Twitter, make sure you do. I'll have it in the description as always. But, you know, very impressive between his turnover um, uh, takeover ratio. And just when you look on a nightly basis, you know, there's this confidence with him. As we talked about in our previous episode, since Quinn basically made it clear that we don't want to mess with his development, we just want to help it and maybe uh, had our expectations a little too high at first as what we want him to be like how we ultimately want him to be versus how do we get him there. I think they're finally starting to really garner in on how exactly do we get Kako to be the best Kako. That's by letting him play his game that we have already touched on. Seeing how he's yeah. been so dominant and not just the offensive and defensive zone. Offense is definitely still needing some work just gain on the scoring sheet, but he's making things happen. His neutral zone work is getting better by the day. I'm loving it. I think that is a great balance. If you have that and then a Panarin firing all, on all cylinders, Strom taking advantage of the opportunities given to him that naturally come when you have guys like Kako and Panarin doing so much work on that line as it is. Great things are going to happen. So I completely agree. I've been unbelievably impressed with Kako. I've been unbelievably impressed with some guys. Uh, not as much as I would like. You know, same thing with Zibanejad as we touched on already. Really hoping he gets out of this sooner than later. Because at the end of the day, when after Zibanejad, you really don't have a whole lot there. And nothing against Strom at all. But you, Strom came off of a career year last year. No, I don't. Well, I was not expecting Strom to replicate the same numbers he did in the previous season. Point per game wise, given it's a shortened season. Then when you look in, you know, Howden centering that third line for Lafreniere. Howden hasn't looked terrible, but he hasn't necessarily looked great either. Um, you know, Laffy's still trying to find his groove here. And I think him along with Hedl would definitely be faring him better. Um, I think most can, people can agree on that as well. And the fourth line hasn't been bad either. I'm liking what I'm seeing with Lemieux. He's finally gaining him some scuffs against um, the Islanders. The other, or, well, it was Boston, actually, I believe, where he had his game against Frederick. That was good. Uh, that was a good fight against them. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the bottom, that fourth line, and uh, to an extent, the second line um, when Laugh wasn't on it when Panarin was there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance things going forward. But I want to touch on, in particular, defense for the Rangers because, as you said. They're looking like one of the better teams in all the division, and you're not wrong. If you look at their defensive numbers here, currently in the league, they're ninth best when it comes to their overall team defense, and the goals that they have given up in the process is 2.62. So that's awesome, and ninth in the sense of um, goals that they've given up at least. If you look at goals that they have scored personally, the Rangers are the fourth worst team in all the NHL and goal scoring, which is very polar opposite to what they were last season, as we know. And the goal scoring has been a huge issue, mainly because of this top six. Um, they're, they're currently averaging 2.38 goals per game. And now when we want to talk uh, critique about, say, the penalty kill here, when that's been an issue with them in the past, nope, they are currently seventh in the NHL in penalty kill at 84.44%. Power play, however, is something that we have been beating a dead horse each and every episode. They are never going to listen, it would seem. They're fifth worst in all the NHL currently at 11.54%. So I want to know your initial thoughts about this, Steven, because again, I understand there's a lot of guys that are currently on cold streaks. Panarin's out of the lineup for probably at least another game or so. We'll see how long, because he's still day-to-day out of the time of recording this, but awfully concerning a little bit. It would be nice to see guys like Lafreniere and Kako that we've talked about actually get more in the groove. Just get some points up because it's it's exciting at the end of the day. These are your future. You want to see them succeed, not just with their overall play on the ice, but actually it starts to produce. It starts to show. In Kako's um, case, more than Lafreniere right now, I would say too, and how they're playing on a game-to-game basis. But yeah, what are your initial thoughts on the Rangers be- basically being a polar opposite of what they've been the past couple of years in offense to defense? 
Um, my biggest complaint with the Rangers is that they only seem to have one system. Yeah. Um, you know, they they just try one thing, and if it doesn't work, they'll try it again and again and again and again. And then after the seventh try, a puck bounces the right way, and then and then this coaching staff thinks, hey, it works, so let's keep on trying. And in, in many ways, and people are not going to like this, but in many ways, this team reminds me a lot of the 2011-2012 New York Rangers under Tortorella, where you grind your way to a win, and you rely on a good defense, good PK, and excellent goaltending, which in 2011-2012 was fine when your best players are Ryan Callahan, Brendan Dubinsky, Artem Anisimov, yes. you know, Gabrick. fine. You know, Marion Gabrick was a pure goal scorer, but as a complete player, he probably wasn't contributing as much as like, a guy like Panarin. Yeah. If you have guys like Callahan, Anisimov, Dubinsky, Stepan leading your team – that's perfectly fine. But I don't want to play that style of hockey when you have Panarin and Zibanejad and Kako. This and isn't the right team to construct that type of defense. And Miller system. and Fox. It's like they constructed a team to play one style and then a coaching staff that wants to play a completely different style. And you know, that just... You know what really frustrates me too? It's like going into the season as I was hearing people's thoughts on what could they expect. Everyone was thinking the Rangers are going to be high-flying. They're going to be filled with goal scoring once again. Defense is going to continue to be an issue. There are people worrying about, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about the Rangers for this rebuild. They're looking very, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs-esque. So high-flying offensively, gained so many goals, but the defense is just not there. The structure is not there. They bring in Jacques Martin, and huge hats out to um, hats off to him because it looks like from the forefront that he has been a decent to heavy factor in the Rangers really changing their defensive structure. Even with the guys like Keandre Miller's boss, I mean, and other guys that have been fillers on the defense, Potato or, or who have you, maybe playing above average than what they originally expected. Martin's definitely been solid. You know, helping out both special teams and defensively overall has been a huge upside of the Rangers in my mind. So it let's, is kind of bizarre. Not, hold on. Let's not underestimate the fact that we replaced Brady Shea and Mark Stahl. Oh, oh, yes, yes. No, you're right. You're right. And and I and I want to add one more point on Stahl here in a minute, but you're absolutely right. You know, Shea and Stahl defensively you're not getting too much there in the, in this part of their careers respectively um Shea has still more room to grow that is possible with Carolina but we'll see what happens Stahl he probably has a couple years left before he hangs him up I'd have to imagine um so you know you're exactly right the, the team is younger faster on that blue line but normally when you're younger especially with a guy like Keandre no one expected Keandre to be bouncing uh, doing as well as he has to start this season mm-hmm. let alone make the team originally we've already talked about this we thought Tarmo had a better chance originally than maybe Keandre Tarmo's looking solid in the AHL so hopefully we see him in there too just as a, a side note but you know the Rangers have played far above expectations from an overall defensive structure they've really done a solid job so to see them struggle as much as they are offensively one you're the head coach at the end of the day if you're in David Quinn's shoes Yes, you can't put everything on the blame for him. Absolutely. He's not deserving of basically being viewed as the worst head coach in the NHL in my mind, regardless of how you feel about him. I don't think that's the case. But when you look at him and the guys that aren't blossoming, the guys that should be blossoming in this roster right now that aren't, that is a big problem in my mind. When your top players on a nightly basis are the guys that are borderline NHLers right now that didn't have much of any expectation in this lineup is an issue for me. And I think you can probably agree on that one. Look, the big difference between last season and this season, and I've said this many times and people argue with me about it, but 
We've had four players putting up career numbers last season. One of those players is not playing for the Rangers anymore. It's Anthony D'Angelo. You can argue about whether or not it was justified, whether or not he is good defensively. doesn't matter. He was a top five player in production amongst defensemen. That really helped the team last season. When you don't have that production, it has to come from somewhere else. Who else is going to put up that production? We, as, as, as great as it is defensively to get rid of Brady Shea, you're losing his production. Someone has to pick up those points. Someone has to replace that. Then you have Panera, who is the only one who's actually replicating his career year so far in points per game. And Zibanejad and Strom, we've, we've, we have discussed this earlier. Um, Zibanejad and Strom are not close to the way they played last, the last year. What the reason behind it is, Zibanejad, probably the COVID thing, probably needs a little bit more time to get back to his former self. Strom started off slow, it happens. Um, and starting off slow is fine if you have an 82-game season because you can always make up some ground later in the season. When, when the season's only 56 games, now you're at the point where we're already 25% through the season. And your top-line your top center has three points. And your second-line center has how many points does Strom have? Four, maybe? Um. He has missed more open nets than he's actually converted on. Yeah. Um, and that's telling of, of his game so far. I, I'm not going to say this is all Quinn's fault, but Quinn is neither the, the, he's neither the sole problem nor is he the solution to the problem. Let's put it that way. I don't think firing Quinn is the way to go. Just let him finish out the season. Who are you going to replace him with? Gerard Gallant, I'm not convinced that that's going to do anything, especially mid-season. Exactly. Um, well, what's the point in that for a team that would it, would it be nice to see them completely turn the page and and make a, and somehow make playoffs? Yes, that'd be fun. I wouldn't be against that. But at the end of the day, the likelihood of that happening through a mid-season coaching change with this type of season, with this current team constructed, I'm not sure how much I'm buying that. I know it's been more prevalent <laughs> earlier, like these past couple of years, like the Blues. They were really the first team to show that it's possible being a bottom feeder in the league. Then you fire away Mike Yo and you bring in Craig Berube and then they go and win the Stanley Cup. But that is something that is not common. I'm not sure how much co- how common that would be going forward. No, and uh, the problem is, um, sorry, the, the, the other problem with the Rangers is that they had some shady goaltending the first couple of games. The system that was in, in use didn't help either. You know, having... Uh, the goalies alternate starts it doesn't really help the goalies but now we're finally seeing Shostyorkin getting getting to be named the starter and Georgiev is the backup and Shostyorkin has been great you know like I said earlier he the last five games he's been on fire I think we don't have to worry about that anymore play Georgiev when you have back-to-backs or when you play the Toronto Maple Leafs or maybe in the playoffs um other than that, just go with Shostyorkin as your goalie. Um, defensively, we're fine. Offensively, we just we, we need to do something. I don't know if if we have the personnel to to change that. I know people love Colin Blackwell, but he's still limited in what he can do. Same with Kevin Rooney. Philip Heedle still out for a cup. I think three more weeks. Um, yeah, he's still he's still out for at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're missing him. And, and um, he's a big blow. You know, there's yeah. no doubt in that. Panarin's out now. Yeah. And I always considered Panarin a player 
similar to McDavid, McKinnon. Oh, he's the uh, top player in the league. Yeah, but in a way that he can make or break a coach. He can save a coach's career for a year or two with the way he plays. Yeah. Um, and when he's out, and I think Andre Miller is, is questionable for tomorrow as well, so we might see Brendan Smith back in the lineup. Yeah, when, I, I did see reports that he was not originally practicing um, yeah. with the main team. So when you have players from and when you have players that are contributing, missing games due to injury, I'm not going to blame the coaching staff for that, of course. Um, but it does affect the the performance of the team. And this team was was uh, performing well above their expectations last season. And I think we see the team coming back down to earth this year. Um, and it's fine. You know, this, this is only the second season after drafting second overall, the first season after drafting first overall. If you compare this season to the Blackhawks in 27 or in 2007, the Kings in 2008, the Penguins in 2005, the seasons they had, the Rangers are ahead of the curve. We just need to be patient. But I know it's difficult to be patient because you want to win now and you want to make the playoffs now, but it takes time. Rebuilds take time. And there's no guarantee we're winning a cup, but it's the it's the most successful path to a cup out of all the different options you have as a team. So let's just let's hope the young guys play well. And if we can finish around five hundred with a record again this season, that's huge. And then next year when Lafreniere is is playing his second full season and Kako his third full season. Same with Fox and Shashjorkin playing his second full season next year. And Lundqvist is on the team. And Panarin is is still only how old's Panarin? Like twenty eight. Panarin is twenty. I believe he's twenty eight or twenty nine. I don't believe yeah. he's thirty yet. Um, I, I think no, right now actually. I think he's twenty nine. I think he turns thirty in in November or December. I think it was an early birthday in the twenty ten draft. Yeah, he's twenty nine. He turns yeah. thirty. He turns thirty on October thirtieth. October thirtieth, close enough to November. Yeah. Um. So he still has five years to go. Um. And honestly, Truba has looked better, so that's a positive. Um. Uh, Howden in his fourth line role, and I've been one of Howden's biggest critics. Howden's not an issue this season. Howden is in, a, in a, on the fourth line, centering at fourth line. He is actually very solid. He's good on the fa- on faceoffs. Probably the only one on the team who's good at faceoffs, which is another issue this team needs to address. Yep. Um, but I think the bottom six is fine. We just need our top players to to contribute and our prospects to get better um, and to quickly jump on the faceoff thing. Um, again, Rangers haven't had. A season where with a positive face-off percentage, so over fifty percent since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Let that sink. Yeah, yeah. No, it it gets worse. It it gets worse every time you say it. It's twelve years, and it's starting to sound like the Leafs complaining about how many years it's been since they won a cup. Uh, (laughs) And and we're complaining about face. And we're complaining about face-offs. (laughs) <laughs> but something needs and something needs to happen. This team needs to be better on faceoffs because you can you can say all you want that faceoffs don't determine the outcome of a game, but then you play the Bruins or the Penguins and they score within three seconds after winning a faceoff. So, um, winning faceoffs is definitely better than losing faceoffs. Oh, so, like, absolutely, something I, needs to happen. You know, 
When, no. when Bergeron retires, hire him as a face-off coach or something. Oh, absolutely. I would love, I would love Bergeron in any form, honestly. But that, yeah. that seems like a pipe dream. But I wanted to add here because before we basically wrap this thing up as we're coming to a close on, just a quick summary, our quick predictions for the next week because the Rangers as of now have four games coming up, assuming that none of them are pushed back due to protocols. Before we do the predictions, can we quickly jump on uh, the Hartford Wolfpack for like a minute? Yes, I before before we even get there, because I did want to talk uh, talk about them briefly. I just want to say this: What are your thoughts about Panarin and the Quinn situation? Because something that I've been thinking about more and more is a part of me really wishes that you know the timing didn't happen when it did with David Quinn coming in as new head coach with Panarin being with this team. You know, it's one of those things where. I understand. I believe Quinn came. Um, Quinn was here. The yeah, Quinn was here for a year, and then we got Panera in the following free agency. But it's just the timing for me because I a part of me I love Panarin. It's like you almost wish things could be different, where you have Panarin, but you maybe don't have Quinn as coach. Yeah, maybe someone someone more established, or vice versa, where you have Quinn, but you don't have Panarin yet, and just an alternate universe where that wasn't a circumstance yet to see how Quinn would actually pan out without having that star capable player. That is that is kind of something that I've been thinking about more. I know that we'll never know, but it's becoming abundantly clear in my mind that yes, Panarin is definitely helping out, giving the benefit of the doubt in certain aspects to Quinn's maybe lack of performance as an NHL coach. And I'm worried of just how much longer that may in fact be the case because that should not be the case. You bring in Quinn at the end of the day to to develop your young talent, including Kako, including Lafreniere. And I know Kako is playing better. And I know that we're only, what, not even 20, we're not even 20 games in the season or anything like that. But push comes to shove at some point when you have these high expectations. It's not like these are prospects that you should be banking on. Oh, you know, two, three years down the line, they'll actually start to be pretty solid NHLers. These are guys with high expectations that realistically, if you look at them, maybe on other teams, would be in a much different scenario, point production-wise, including Lafreniere to start the season, for all we know. So mm-hmm. I just want to know if you have any stance on that, because the more I think about it, the more I do kind of leave scratching my head as to what would things be like right now if Panarin wasn't in the pitcher and Quinn. You know, that that is something that I really wish wouldn't be a scapegoat, if you will, to give him the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. at times. For yes, maybe the Rangers uh, did not play a, st- a structured game whatsoever, but they got lucky bounces. They ended up winning like 6-4, or something along those lines, you know, just an offensive powerhouse or vice versa where they really shut down defensively and you get a nice uh, one or two nothing win. When in reality, if you look at how the lines were juggled and how the structure was, it still not is necessarily up to par yet. I did not want to bring up the six on four with a minute to go where we couldn't get hold of the puck for 35 seconds, but you <laughs> had to go there. That's probably, I mean... Cue yakety sack when you watch that. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, I I remember I'm I remember our power play under Tortorella and how how awful it was. Yep. <laughs> and here you have a six on four. You have two extra players on the ice because you pull your goalie, and they are able to control to hold the puck against the boards for thirty five seconds. That's oh my god. There's there's just no no excuse. Regarding Quinn and Panarin, I think the Panarin signing is is the right thing to do. If you look at the 2019 offseason, is it 2019? Oh, yeah, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. I'm not saying don't have it happen. I'm just saying when you look at the timing of things between Quinn, you know, and how amazing uh, Panarin did out of the gate, it, it kind of sucks that to an extent that is going to give him some cover up 
when in reality we are clearly seeing the woes that he has as still a very new NHL coach with a team yeah. that is rebuilding. It's not like say he is a um, coming to a veteran team that's established where maybe uh, his role would be different. It's like, no, you're brought here just like the team, a full rebuild, right? But at least now you have Panarin, but you're still trying to develop your young talent. And while I have seen it, we definitely have. There also have still been glaring huge issues, I would say, with this team that is mm-hmm. not getting addressed as of now. Yeah, but I, my, I don't have a problem with Quinn as a person. He, I mean, I met him a few times. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah, I have nothing against Quinn at all. I just, I think, and this is just my personal preference, as a team, you can either have a young coach or a young team. You cannot have both. Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement to make. And, yeah, okay, he was a coach in college. Doesn't mean he's good at developing talent i mean he was a coach for the boston university terriers that is like coaching the harlem globetrotter sometimes they're they they recruit the best teams of the best players uh some years jack eichel was playing for him in in boston in college you know it's if if he was coaching uh providence friars or something or northeastern and he would have been great at developing some some grade A talent, then yeah, you have a case. But one year of Eichel before he was even drafted, uh, that doesn't really get me excited. Um, I don't think Quinn is a bad coach. I just think he's not the right coach for this team. And he's probably a better coach for a team like the Colorado Avalanche, where you have your established players already, where you're already an established playoff team, where his, you know, where he, he was actually an assistant coach in Colorado. Yes, he was. Yeah. Um, David Quinn will probably fit better on a team like that, or maybe Toronto or maybe Vegas. Which tells you that, more about uh, the current situation with the Rangers. They brought him in to, to and, develop and, this young talent. And I think last season, it wasn't just the, the the performance by the big four that I mentioned earlier. It was also the fact that there were still leaders in the locker room Correct. That, that had been there for over a decade. Yep. Mark Stahl and Henrik Lundqvist. And Jesper Fast. They, These are guys that may, were crucial to the team. Yeah, they may, may not have performed on the ice the way we wanted to, Lundqvist and Stahl, but I'm pretty sure in the locker room, they were instrumental to how the team played and how the team gelled and everything. And now you have the issue with D'Angelo, which I'm not blaming Quinn for this. D'Angelo did things that he shouldn't be doing, and he was given a final warning. And anyway, um, but all these little things, you know, you've had the interview that Kako gave last season where he criticized the coaching staff for limiting his plays. We've had the issue with Kravtsov, who complained about miscommunication. Um, it's so many little things that, that just add up to, exactly. in my opinion, just being the result of an inexper- inexperienced coaching staff. Yeah, you had Lindy Ruff, but other than that, it was um, Brown and Oliver, David Quinn, and then Brown and Oliver. And in my opinion, the, the coaching staff is just too inexperienced for the inexperienced team that we have. But I think that's I think you're I think you're honestly completely right. And it's been more exposed, I would say, than ever with this season. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to lose hope. I'm not, I don't think this is going to ruin the rebuild. The Rangers no. are still on track to be a really good team in yeah. two, three years. And I always said the Rangers window will open in 2023, 24. That's when they will 
enter the, the playoffs being a contender. They don't just go for a first-round exit. They're going to go to either the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. And 2024, Panarin will still be 33. And some players don't age well. I think Panarin will. He only entered the league when he was 24. And the style of hockey he plays, he can probably play until he's 38, 39. So the Rangers are – he's probably going to sign a second contract with the Rangers, uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. That could um, be the case, even if he has a lesser role because of how our young talent has, pro- has blossomed. He would still be – his game would naturally adjust, I would say. And and his role reminds me a lot of Marion Hosa on the Blackhawks. With what it could ultimately become at the time that the Rangers are more of a cup contender. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Anyway, so quickly on the Hartford Wolfpack. Yeah, they started sure. playing some games. Um, they, I think they won the first two. Um, uh, Wolfpack, I, I'd have to pull it up real quick because I, I have okay. not – been as in tune as but you are because I'm not able to watch the games, unfortunately. The most uh, most exciting players in the first couple of games, um, Keith Kincaid in goal. Yeah. Uh, definitely more than an AHL goalie. He definitely deserves a chance in the NHL again. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to happen on this team, but um, um, who knows? Maybe the Vegas Golden Knights will go for him in the expansion draft. He's definitely good enough to play in the NHL, in my opinion. Are the Vegas but- Golden Knights in the expansion draft. You were close. You are close, Steven. Seattle. Sorry, Seattle. <laughs> Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken expansion draft. You're close, oh. though. You, you picked the second best team if it wasn't going to be Seattle in that category. And yes, uh, Wolfpack are 2 0 currently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tarmo Reunanen. Has looked very uh, strong probably, in those first two games. Very strong. Um, Justin Richards had a really good game. Um, and Patrick Kodorenko, I think, is probably the closest to an NHL call up in case of. An injury uh, at center or the fourth line, um, but I think our recent draft picks, Braden Schneider and Will Cooley, played really well as well, which is very or promising. They're allowed to play in DB and the AHL because of uh, their leagues not starting up yet. Yep. But Braden Schneider returned to Brandon because his team is entering a bubble on I think March twelfth, so he has to quarantine starting February twenty seventh. So Braden Schneider is no longer on the Wolfpack team, but we still have Dylan Garand and Will Cooley, um, third, second and fourth round pick in 2020. Okay. But the Wolfpack is a lot of fun to watch. If people have a chance to catch a game, they're playing on Wednesday this week against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the Islanders affiliate. Yeah. Uh, if you have time and if you can find a stream, just keep an eye on my Twitter and then you'll find one. Um, if you can find a stream and you have nothing better to do on Wednesday, just tune in and, and watch our prospects play because there are so many prospects to, to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I haven't even mentioned to actually watch the, watch them. I, would I say. haven't even mentioned Morgan Barron. Yeah. Um, so exciting times, um, and I'm happy that the Wolfpack is actually interesting to watch for once. I know. Yeah. I mean, I normally hit. I normally go to numerous Wolfpack games every single year. Um, and this year it doesn't look like that'll be the case unless we're allowed. So we'll see yeah. what happens, but you know, exciting times indeed. It, there's nothing better than watching your, um, your farm team when they actually have young upcoming talent, or it's not like, it's just all these grizzled vets that are thrown out there to just basically run out the team. You know, the Wolfpack are definitely trending in the right direction, which is great to see. I I'm, I think Charmo may very well be the next man up in regards to hitting the roster this year. Um, I have to imagine that hopefully he gets uh, at least a couple coffee towards the end of the season. Should the Rangers definitely be out of a playoff spot 
and he might have proven mm-hmm. his worth by then, if not sooner, to get some looks. Because, again, there were a lot of expectations between you and I respectively saying that Tarmo may very well crack the roster for the Rangers this season. And, you know, depending on with injuries that are inevitable as well, amongst some other things, you know, Tarmo very well could come in and do better than guys like Hayek and Potato currently, who, in my mind, they obviously don't have a long-term future with the team. I, I don't believe Hayek is. Nothing against Hayek personally. I just think when you weigh the Rangers' defensive options right now, Tarmo is the top of my list as to I think is deserving of a shot. Um, yeah, I mean, he's <clears throat> he's probably the um, the next man up when, when there's an injury. Judd Johnson is currently out injured still. Yeah. I saw Brendan Smith was skating, so he will probably replace Ke'Andre Miller tomorrow. Um, but yeah... It, Tarmo should be close to a call-up. He's, in my opinion, no worse than Libor Hayek. Um, but I think it's Hayek's spot to lose. Um, yeah, I agree. It is. It definitely is. And so we'll see what happens. But we still have, what, um, 40 games to go? Uh, 40 y- Yeah. No, uh, trying to think. Yep. Uh, 41. No, 40. 40. Yeah, because we're 13 in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So- so, again, still plenty of season left. It's nuts because realistically this is only half a season left versus us mm-hmm. normally gain up to lean up to like uh, December and January for the midseason break and then going forward. Crazy year we know this, but hoping that the Rangers definitely try to turn things around. And it is kind of ironic that you see Johnson, D'Angelo out of the lineup with the Rangers now and the Rangers are playing their best defensive hockey of the mm-hmm. season. Yep. So predictions? Predictions for this upcoming week. All right, the Rangers – they play tomorrow at the time recording this against the Devils. Then their next game is against the Flyers. Should that not be canceled because it was canceled once already. And then they have a couple more games up towards the end of the weekend. I believe they play the Capitals on at least one of those games. It might be a back-to-back, so I'm going to double-check quick. But Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, back-to-back against the Caps. That should be fun. Yeah. So what what are your expectations for the Rangers? How do you think they're going to fare? Ooh. Um, I want to be more positive than I usually am in my predictions, but... I've been right more than, than, than you have so far. So um, yeah. tough one. Um, I'm going to go with assuming all three games are played. I'm going to go with one, two, and one. Okay. Um, if the Flyers game is canceled, I will go with oh, two, and one. Okay. For me, I think – I also agree with you. I think, it, I think one, two, and one – is very realistic or I want to see maybe one and three, but the Rangers have been in very tight games all season long. Um, I'll go with you on the one, two and one. And if the flyers aren't involved, then I'm going to just mix things up and, and give them maybe a little bit better for the doubt. Maybe they can get a two and one in there. We'll see uh, if they can get one of those cap games against the caps. That'll be huge for them. That's the biggest thing. So, yeah. And uh, it's the first game against the Flyers this season, so that'll be interesting. A uh, huge, uh, huge game for the Rangers against the Flyers, might I add. Flyers are the team to beat for them, in my mind. No doubt. Yeah. They, they performed really strong against Boston with a depleted team, even with Panarin out. You'd have to think that they can try to do something against this Flyers team. But if defensively speaking, offensively, only time will tell because they're, they're going to come out flying. The Flyers, nice pun, by the way. Yeah, it wasn't uh, even intentional, so there you go. Uh, the Flyers are definitely a team that that they skate well, they move the puck well, they play AV hockey, which yep. could be could be deadly against us. So, well, hopefully, we can capitalize on some tu- on some turnovers 
put Kako out there for, you know, for like 20 minutes. Yeah, have, <laughs> 20 minutes have, straight. Who cares? And then cross turnovers and, and just go on, go on breakaways. One of these days we're going to have to score on one, right? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully sooner than later. But yeah. um, I think we hit the nail on the head with everything, Stephen. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, let's see. Um, yeah, just, just that I'm really excited about, about Nils Lundqvist coming over. So. Yeah, no, as you should. At least there's something positive going on outside of the Rangers within the organization still. Hoping that yep. continued success is relevant for him going forward. And hopefully for this Rangers team, they could have a positive week when we touch back a week from now. So as always, thank you again, Stephen. And thank you all so much to everyone that watched. If you did, in fact, enjoy, make sure to hit all those buttons. Make sure to check out everything as always. But without further ado, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. <laughs>